Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Hockey Show Podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm John, noted uh, non-bag sapper or betrayer of podcasts. You know, you're mad right now because I got to have an exclusive conversation with ESPN's Greg Wyshynski talking the trade deadline. But here's the thing. You shouldn't really be too jealous because... I feel uh, not that the conversation is obsolete at this point, but there are certain people we discussed in that conversation that might not be on the teams that they're on anymore. And and we kind of joked it. And I'm specifically, I'm talking about Patrick Kane, which we'll get to it in a minute, but, but do not be upset, my friend, because no, we will I, have Mr. Wyshynski on the program again, but yeah, we do have Greg Wyshynski coming up as a special guest on this program today. Yeah, you know, it was weird. I spent all afternoon at the Verizon store and saying, hey, you know, I definitely should have gotten a text this morning saying, hey, are you available around one o'clock? And they did all kinds of checks on it and performed all these tests. And it turns out nothing was wrong with my phone. Why did why? Why do you suppose I didn't get a text there? I next? have no idea, but uh, it happened. but yeah uh it's 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 that we're networking out my friend the show is growing we're gonna have more guests on the program uh we've got we've got the connections now now that we've got an in at the espn side of things so you keep throwing around the term uh because you're gonna be a part of them (laughs) moving forward yeah uh, you you owe me a Jeff Merrick interview. Get <laughs> I might have. Uh, I'll see if I have that contact info. I'm, that might be laying around somewhere. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot to get to today. Let's just get into it. There have been a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of trades since the last time you and I have gotten a chance to converse. Let's just start with today. Let's just start with February 28th. Everything that has happened today. Uh, let's just go down the list. Do you you know what? No, let's, screw it. Let's start with the biggest one. Let's just start with Patrick Kane. He's officially uh, going to the New York Rangers. The compensation is a second round pick conditional and a 2023 fourth round pick. And that's a 2023 uh, conditional second round pick that could turn into a first a uh, couple years down the road. Thoughts, John? A uh, big, big uh, win here for the Coyotes, especially yeah. the uh, the the big thing that uh, everyone gets to see. They uh, pick up a tiny little portion here of Kane's salary, and they get a third round pick out of it in 2025. Uh, it's hard to argue with the math there. Uh, but on a serious note, for it, I was. I was surprised to see them still go after Kane, considering just kind of what he's been able to offer so far this year. I'm, I am, uh, I'm a little skeptical that the, uh, the production that he's had lately is going to be what the Rangers can expect out of him. But uh, you know, they, with all of it being tied to whether or not they actually get anywhere, I think that's a really safe move for the Rangers. And, uh, you know, hopefully his, uh, his lack of uh, defensive prowess at this stage in his career is overshadowed by what he's able to bring to the table for him. Yeah. uh, The, the defensive side of things is okay. Um, That's going to be something, especially for a team that seems to have just lost its way defensively 
over the last week or so uh, and has been leaving their goalies out to dry and giving up just ridiculous amounts of great scoring chances and goals against. But I, you know, I think that this is a really solid move, especially after the Devils picked up Timo Meyer. Uh, I, I get it. It, ap- it really appears that it's going to be a Rangers-Devils battle, bloodbath, as uh, Wyshynski puts it later on, uh, matchup that that's going to be. So I think the addition of Patrick Kane is a really good addition. Like for the Rangers now, they have a really solid uh, uh, top six forward group with the addition of Tarasenko and and Patrick Kane. And that now gives them a fourth line. That's Barkley Goudreau. Uh, Jimmy VC and, and and guys that have all kind of been playing that second line right wing spot. So I don't know, like this gives the Rangers like this. It's one of those things where what you're hoping here is that Patrick Kane, what we saw over the last, you know, little bit, those spurts that goal in overtime to win it on a, just a straight up slap shot that thanks video review that we got it correct, that it was, uh, a tenth of a second <laughs> after zero on the clock that we lost one of those awesome moments that would forever be remembered and be used in video clips. But, you know, hey, at least we got the call right. Uh, yeah, like I, I, you're hoping that this is the reconnection of that player. You're hoping it's that guy. You're hoping him with Panarin, you know, like that sparks something again in him. Uh, you know, you, you hope that even if his defense does suck, that that maybe Shesterkin is able to play his game because he's looked really shaky of late. So, you know, you hope that he's able to compensate for the things that came maybe defensively lacks. And the and the Panarin connection there is really what kind of has me puzzled for all of this because that he he's not playing with Panarin, right? There's no way that possibly happen. Oh, he 100% will be playing on Panarin's line. Uh because Tarasenko hasn't really even been playing with Panarin. They've had Tar- he's had Tarasenko up on the first line and Panarin's been the second line left wing. So it's it's been Zibanejad, yeah. Kreider, Tarasenko. So now you're going to have Trocheck, Panarin and Patrick Kane. Like that's what the Rangers are rolling out as their top two lines now. See, I assumed they'd pair him with uh, Lafreniere and Chino. No, no, they're keeping that kid line together. That kid line is forever. That it's it's going to be Kako, Lafreniere, and Yidel in the middle for this whole season. So that's why I really like this move, though, because because to me, I did. I know the Rangers felt, and a lot of people felt, oh, the Rangers added Tarasenko. That's a great move. They've got their top. They've got a top six right winger now. They've got somebody that's going to help them on the power play, uh, Panarin's friend. Which, by the way, can we can we chuckle at the fact that the New York Rangers didn't just go out and get one, but ended up bringing in two of our Jeremy Panarin's friends for the season? Yeah, it's you. Do you just run every move by him? You know, hey, uh, this guy uh, might call him up from waivers, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, want to make sure that it, uh, works with your social life. Yeah, like uh, so. I, I, yeah, the Rangers, I, I think are now in a much better position, especially getting Barkley Goudreau off of that second line and Jimmy VC. Not that I don't like them, but they are not, they're not top six guys. They're not guys that are helping yeah. Artemi Panarin, you know, 
it's just not possible with them. And seeing as you don't want to break up the kid line, you needed somebody else there. So, so, and, and this weirdly fall fell into the Rangers lap because uh, apparently behind the scenes, James, James Dolan got a little uh, invested in this one. Well, that that's, only leads to really positive things if James Dolan's. Uh, it's one of the few times I actually will go this, in my opinion, didn't really cost the Rangers that much. It could have been so it, much it worse. Didn't. Like this fell into their lap in the sense of, because I mean, think about it. At the beginning of the season, we were talking about if the New York Rangers were going to get Patrick Kane, it would have to be some form of Lafreniere, a first round pick at a top prospect or Kako, at a first round, pay. you know, somebody from that kid line would have to go. It would have to happen. And it ended up just being a conditional second round pick next year. And, you know, a fifth. Yeah. And, and the, and having conditional picks is worrisome when it's going to tie them up for a really long period of time. Cause then you can't trade them or anything like that. But at this time of year, that that's not too much of a concern. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, doing the conditional first, uh, fourth and a third, that's not for another couple of years that that's a decent, that's a decent, uh, amount to give up to acquire, uh, you know, some additional depth scoring, which always really comes into play in the playoffs. Uh, I know that uh, Chicago fans seemed uh, worked up that this was kind of all they got for him. And I know, I know towards the beginning of the year, we were really kind of comparing it to Claude Giroux saying, Hey, this is the one place I'm willing to go. And they were still able to draw a first and a decent prospect out of it. So, to, so it was it was surprising to me how little the Rangers had to give up to get up here compared to similar situations that we've oh, seen. Oh yeah, and, and another one that, and another trade that I'm sure we'll we'll get into later on as well that that went down. Uh but moving on from that, let's stay in the Metro. Uh another team that made a move a little bit earlier on before the Patrick Kane move was announced, uh the Hurricanes got a very on-brand Carolina Hurricanes trade. Uh, they sent a prospect to Edmonton and got Jessa Pujarvi. Um, Jesse Pujarvi. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. I. Uh, sorry, I should have jumped in earlier to save you. No, that's that fine. I got his name uh, right all day, and for some reason, I, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm gonna blame it on the fact that it's well past my bedtime as we record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's. You were wondering if Edmonton was going to move him to do a cap dump, and uh, it's clear yeah. that they uh, lo- they loosened up some space for that. But we'll get to that later. Uh, the it it's always something to wrap your head around with the way that the Hurricanes just straight up do not seem to do rentals, and uh, for Jesse Pugliarvi in particular. A lot of people have been wondering if he's going to end up somewhere just because he has clearly been done in Edmonton for a few years now. Uh, And as as you went through their lineup and kind of figured where they could, you know, free up some cap room, this was probably their easiest option. And uh, get uh, Jesse Pugliarvi, you know, a lot of people were really, really surprised when 
uh, Columbus passed on him uh, to in the draft and let him fall to Edmonton. But uh, it seems as though they definitely made the right choice because they did not care much for him in Edmonton either. So hopefully this is a uh, good chance for him to kind of hit the reset button and dive back into things. Yeah, uh, he's he's definitely needed a change of scenery. And, you know, uh, this is this is that change of scenery. Uh, I I think this is I, I think this is a fine move for the hurricanes, but I just think it's an on brand move in the sense of, like you said, like how they kind of view their rentals and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah. Um, okay. Way to go for Carolina. I gives them, it gives yeah. them a big body for the playoffs, you know, somebody that could help. But I, again, I think that this is one of those where they're definitely hoping that he is going to be that 20 goal scorer that, you know, everybody thinks that he can consistently be. And if he is great, if he's not, well, you know, again, kind of an on-brand Carolina move, big body that isn't able to finish. Yeah. And and the, you always heard a lot about uh, Jesse Pugliarvi being a good guy. uh, So much so that a lot of his former Swedish teammates uh, apparently lobbied their teams to go after and get him. So I wonder how much Sebastian Aho and Tivu Teravainen and those guys in Carolina had been telling him, hey, you should really go get Jesse. But uh, looking forward to kind of seeing what comes of it one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, another Metro team making some moves today. You got the Washington Capitals making two trades. Uh, first up, forward Marcus Johansson. Sent to the Minnesota Wild for a 2024 third round pick. Hey, uh, a Western team made a trade. How about that? Uh, and actually acquired somebody. Good for them. Uh, it says here they're flipping him to the Penguins. Are you for real? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not actually happening. <laughs> oh my god! I was like, stop, 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 sense. stop, because because at this point, well, well, we're <laughs> going to talk about the Penguins because they've actually. Like let let's talk about them really quickly. They've uh, they made a couple moves today, some waiver moves, and they they're clearing up some space. And it seems like they're kind of uh, Ron Hextall is starting to listen and have discussions with Arizona and Vancouver. There there's talks of JT Miller potentially going. Dickrin uh, might yeah, be on the I, table I've... now. Yeah, they uh, they they seem to be letting a lot of players go through waivers and not necessarily, you know, nobody's either. They, uh, earlier this year, this, uh, God, I am losing my train of thought a lot today. I apologize. It's been a crazy Uh, day. (laughs) Yeah. er, Earlier today, they, uh, put a defenseman and a forward there on waivers. I think just kind of hoping that they'll get to clear some cap space because it may, it seems as though maybe, uh, nobody's helping them out on that case. Uh, there has been some rumor of JT Miller being linked to them, which I don't know why anyone in their right mind would trade for JT Miller. Uh, I don't know why a KHL team would trade for JT Miller. Uh, but the there's also rumors that could be somebody else out of Pittsburgh, a la Brock Besser, Elias Pedersen, uh, which would be a huge huge move if they end up pulling it off but 
it's uh they're they're gearing up for something and of course it'll happen the moment we stop talking yeah yeah that's that's how that's how it works and when you do podcasts anytime you talk to somebody uh about any trades or anything like that the minute you hit stop it all happens like that that's oh, exactly yeah. what happened with the patrick kane trade today that's why everything later on is just uh so it happened <laughs> <laughs> this is the only thing we that's the only time i think you could ever go into a show and go so we know a trade happened uh <laughs> yeah shout out to chris drury for making the trade happen before the yeah, podcast was recorded um also capitals uh they actually made another trade and they got defenseman rasmus sandine from the maple leaves in exchange for eric gustafson and a 2023 first round pick, which was Boston's first round pick. I I kind of love how uh, points wise, Washington is right there in the race with Ottawa, Florida, Detroit, Buffalo. Uh, but just kind of says, yeah, we're pulling the shoot. This isn't it. We're done. <laughs> uh, a third round pick for Marcus Johansson uh, feels like he should be valued a little higher than that. Uh, he's been healthy for pretty much the entire season. He's fairly productive still. Uh, just kind of, you know, it, he's he's not up there as somebody that you see playing the top six. But if push came to shove, I bet he could. And uh, to give only give up a third for a guy that's capable of bringing that to the table, I think that's a great move on the Wild's part. Yeah, the Wild. The Wild. <laughs> you just jump back to the Wild. Yeah, that's who Washington traded him to. Oh, you were talking Johansson. I I thought we were talking about uh, Rasmus Sandin. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's how many Capitals. Yeah. Because <laughs> yes, I agree. the The Capitals getting a third for for Johansson is a, is a good move, but their trade for Sandin, I don't think, is a good move. Well, okay. Let yeah, me take like, that back. It's a good move in the bet that they that they, that they are banking on, and they are a team that is desperate need of some blue line help moving forward. So a guy that under contract, cap friendly, very team control, under two million dollars, but he's more like a top six guy that maybe can handle some top four minutes, not so much. But giving up that first round pick. Yeah. yeah, that that kind of what had me scratching my head. And I would be I would be iffy of anyone else making this deal, but I think it makes a lot of sense for the Capitals. Only because uh after this year, the only blue liner that they still have under contract is John Carlson. Mm -hmm. Uh everyone else is either a UFA or uh Alexiev and another guy are RFAs. Uh, but I, I I don't know how much this was something they thought about for this year. Uh, so much as years down the road, this is a capable young defenseman. Uh, we got to have something. So let's go ahead and move this first round pick for it. Yeah, that's I, I, I know that's what the mindset was. I just don't think the first round like you have Gustafsson in that trade. I feel like you could get away with, with something less, a third rounder at worst, a second rounder. I feel like the first is kind of, a, it, that's where I, I look at the trade and I'm, I'm like, really, did, did you have to give up the first round pick in that? 
Yeah. And, I know he was. I, I know. Like, let me. Or, well, sorry to cut you off there. Like, I know Sandine was a first round pick of Toronto, but. It, you know, like, I, I don't know. I feel like the trade offer of, of Gustafsson at, at a second conditional is the type of move. Not not to mention uh, that by making the swap from Sandine to Gustafsson, uh, the Maple Leafs are saving a little bit of cap room right now, which is just yeah. about all they need to be able to go out and potentially get somebody else. Well, and, <laughs> and given where they are, I wouldn't be surprised if they flip Boston's first to somebody else or something. But, I was going to, yeah, well, okay. Am, you answered uh, a question I was going to ask you, which is what do you think they do with that first? Cause uh, the, see, I would think that, but they also traded for Luke Shen today, the Maple Leafs. So I kind of feel that Toronto might be done with everything we've seen and it might be wise to hold on to that draft pick because they're starting to get to a point where yeah they're they're they've got a good team but it might be time to start thinking about replenishing that well 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 i think a lot of the people in the toronto organization know the writings on the wall yeah. that if you don't accomplish something big this year you're done yeah. Uh, so, so I could see them really going and uh, and just selling every draft pick they have to load up here. But at a certain point, you know, it's Jake McCabe and it's Sam Lafferty and Luke Shen and Eric Gustafson. Uh, uh, at a certain point, do you just kind of need to hold up a second and say, "Hey, you know, we've we're completely changing out the team that's done so well for us this year. We kind of need to hit the brakes. Yeah, that's, and that's where I think they're at. I think they're at, I think that they wanted to shore up the defense and get the depth in there. Cause always nice to have a lot of defensive depth when it comes to the postseason. Um, and just that grind and how hard it is for defensemen specifically. So I think that's where Toronto is. I, I, if they make another move, I think it's a small one. Uh, but I don't know if they're going out and they're looking at like Max Domi or something like that at this point. I, I don't think that's on their radar. Yeah, you got to figure playing around with depth is the only thing that they've been able to do for most of the year. Uh, just given that their you know top six has been pretty solidified for a while here. Uh, totally slipped my mind, but they added Ryan O'Reilly to that group as well. Yeah. So. So, yeah, it's pretty clear they're going all out to just kind of shore up this team however they can. And uh, against Tampa Bay, they're going to need it. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I mean, that's the thing is the East has really been loading up, like, compared to the Western teams. And, I, you know, with Nashville now being sellers, that leaves only Calgary. Uh, left as the only team that is trying to chase that final wild card spot. Uh, and they're, they're like three points behind the Kraken, but the Kraken again have like, I think three or four games in hand on pretty much everybody. So, you know, like you're, you're left with one team now that's actually chasing that wild card spot. Like there, there's not really a big race going on over there. It seems like everybody's kind of settling in in the West but the East is just shaping up to be one of those like bloodbath of everybody is loading up 
and, and trading for the best players they possibly can. That's why I honestly would not be surprised if Pittsburgh does get like Chick or somebody like that and goes out and makes a move like that. Yeah, and, and that's been a point of discussion a lot this week as well, is people have been pointing out how, you know, uh, Tampa Bay gave up, uh, see how they they gave up a lot. Five picks. Time. My goodness. And yeah. Foot. And, and if I told you they were going to lose in the first round, it would not be that surprising. You know, uh, the Devils go out and get Timo Meyer. The Rangers go out and get Teresaco a number and of Kane. different people. And, and Tyler and Mott. Console. We cannot forget the Tyler Mott trade. <laughs> uh, University of Michigan product. Don't worry. It's top of my list. Uh, he, yeah, that, you know, some of these guys are going to go out in the first round. It's really weird to think that, I mean, like if you're a team that has to end up playing somebody like Toronto or like Boston or something like that, you want it to happen in the first round most years. Cause that's when you're freshest. That's when, you know, the playoff injuries haven't started to wear in and you're, you don't have guys playing on broken legs and punctured lungs and all that nonsense. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, man, they're going to load up on all this sort of stuff and more than likely end up, so one of the two is going to bow out here. Yeah. And, and, and you can't even blame the playoff format for that right now, because let's see, let's do the math here. Number three, four, five, six. Uh, yeah. If the playoffs and started today and we were doing one through eight for each conference, the devils would still be playing the Rangers. So I can't help. Yeah. You. It's, 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 it's really wild, but it really feels like the East is the, ones that are going all in for the cup this year uh is it minnesota <laughs> they are but you know making a trade for nino niederreiter i don't think moves the needle the same way timo meyer does for the devils <laughs> yeah it, it's you could see some teams are making moves that need to help them more long-term and Minnesota has definitely been one of them just because with everything that they have tied up in the buyouts for Parise and Suter, you know, they're fighting with one hand tied behind their back to begin with. Uh, but if you were, if you were going to go all in for it in the West, this is the year to do it. Uh, and today's latest move by Edmonton really showed that they are possibly of that same mindset. Yeah, uh, they they came out. Yeah, because I, I don't think we really need to talk about here Engvall going to the Islanders for a third and Austin. I mean, I, can, I, but... yeah, we can like. Uh, <laughs> all right. Really quickly. Thoughts. Well, here's the thing to keep in mind about Pierre <laughs> Back when he was drafted, no, I'm kidding. I don't have that many yeah. thoughts for it. It's clear, but also very clear that the Maple Leafs are clearing more cap space. Uh, they're very obviously not. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, Edmonton uh, and Nashville getting together on a pretty significant one here. Uh, Matthias Ekholm, uh, possibly the most perfect player that you could put on that Oilers team uh stay at home elite defenseman 
uh, in a six round pick uh, in exchange for Tyson Berry, who I believe it was us talked about how he was more than likely going to be the odd man out in any sort of trade the the Oilers made. Uh, granted, that was for Eric Carlson, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, and a first and a fourth and Reed Schaefer. So it, it just yesterday you heard Ken Holland talking about that, you know, they may not be going all in for it. And uh, Oilers fans were really, really worked up that why would you ever not go for it when you have McDavid and Dreisaitl? Uh, and maybe it's just my experience with Ken Holland for so long, but kind of seeing it coming, it's like, he's just trying to, you know, drive prices down, make it sound like he's not that anxious to buy. Like we all see right through this, right? I mean, mm, I don't know. I like this trade for both sides. I really like what Nashville has been doing. Uh, I'm, I'm whoever's pulling the strings right now. If it's already, uh, Barry trots, like good on them, uh, for finally recognizing what the predators truly are. Uh, but you're right, dude, this is a great pickup for Edmonton fits in very nicely for them. I, I'd be scared of the Oilers. Uh, I mean, this is this is a big move in Edmonton. I think they have the potential this year. I, I mean, Connor McDavid, 50 goals now. First 50-goal season. He's clearly going to be MVP of this league. There's seven of the eight teams in a Western Conference playoff spot. I could see making it to the conference final right now. The only team I really don't have any faith in is L.A., mm-hmm. Uh, just because they seem to be a mix of everyone that's, you know, on the back nine of their career and everyone that's just getting started, but there isn't kind of enough in the middle there, uh, especially in net. Uh, anyone else, Colorado, Dallas, Minnesota, Edmonton, Winnipeg, I could see all of these teams potentially being the ones to get over the hump. And it hasn't been like that most years. You usually have your favorites and the also brands. So it, if you're one of these teams that's out here in the West, you need to do everything you possibly can to go in on it. Because uh, especially if you're a team like Minnesota or Edmonton, you may not have another chance like this uh, coming up. Yeah, uh, well, I, I, especially Minnesota. And they, they did make another move. Uh, they, they got Gustav Nyquist from the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets for a fifth-round pick or Boston's fifth-round pick that they had. That's I, 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 a nice move, complimentary move, but definitely not like a Matthias uh, Eckholm move. Yeah, th- this one was very much like, oh, that's kind of nice for both of them, but it may not necessarily move the needle. Uh, Nyquist is, is a real good playmaker. He's uh, really playing you know, above his uh, talent level for uh, Columbus just because you know he's great for the third line. He wasn't doing much third line time there. Uh, but he is a former Detroit Red Wing. I got to see him score an overtime playoff goal once. That was cool. Uh, but for, for, to give up a fifth for that, it's kind of, you know, 
well, this guy's been injured all year, so maybe we'll get him back around the playoffs, so we won't give up much for it. And if you're the Blue Jackets, you say, well, this guy's been injured all year. That you know, if we can get a fifth out of it, well, at least we're getting something. Yeah, yeah, and you know, good for Columbus. Uh, you know, good for both sides. It's it's a fine trade. It's it it falls somewhere in the middle. Uh, I got a crazy stat for you. So we're running through all the trades today. It feels like this has been a really busy lead up to the trade deadline. Um, it has been trades made in the 14 days prior to the deadline. Do you want to take a guess how many trades have been made so far this year? 21, 22, ah, 22. Do you want to guess what the prior 10 year average was? 14 17.6 wow so 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 this isn't just a just us thinking man there's a lot of moves being made before no the the islanders truly got the ball rolling when they went out and they made the move (laughs) so thanks lou lamorello for kicking off the trade deadline like an entire month before the trade deadline now, now let me ask you this. Okay. Have you ever taken off work for the trade deadline? I have not. Well, okay. Here's the thing with my hours. It's actually quite perfect. And with my job, it's really, I have to be on social media. So it's easy to kind of start the day where everybody's asleep. And then those like little trades start creeping through where it's like, Oh, a, a AHL goalie was traded for a fifth round pick because later in the day, that fifth round pick is going to be used in the real trade. And the, and for where you're at, I would imagine that once you're off work, the TSN shows and stuff like that are just starting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, dude, Wyshynski's not even going to be on the air by the time I'm off work. <laughs> like, yeah. see, see, I've, uh, I'm not I'm going to be like going on ESPN plus at work and be like damn I still have to wait for them <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I I've done it a couple times and it's so much fun just having a beer and kind of kicking back and watching it all come in when you can get something on TV uh, I did not elect to do it this year and I'm kind of glad I did because I don't think a whole lot's going to be happening on Friday we're going to be keeping an eye on James Van Riemsdyk. That's that's ready for <laughs> Friday. James Van Riemsdyk watch. Uh, all right. Speaking of the trade deadline, um, I get to brag a little bit. I got to talk to Greg Wyshynski. So let's let's roll that interview. And then when we come back, we'll... Yes, uh, <laughs> my replacement here. Uh, glad you guys got to listen to the last episode I was on. No, 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 no. He's a busy man. He can't, he's not, he can't do any more podcasting. But, but again, like I said, well, you know, you'll hear it. He, he'll be back. Trust me, he'll be back. So uh, here's Greg Wyshynski talking uh, the NHL trade deadline. Deadline day fast approaching, so very excited right now to have on the line. He is uh, the head hockey writer. He's the head guy. I I just call him the head guy over there at ESPN. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure you're going to see him all over their live coverage on ESPN Plus on deadline day this Friday, March 3rd. Greg Wyshynski, thank you for taking some time out of your day to chat with me. 
No, my pleasure. Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting week uh, in the sense that uh, most of the businesses seems like it's getting done before Friday, um, which is a good or, or bad thing. I can't quite tell. I mean, it is going to be fun to break down and analyze these things as they happen, um, but you lack for the real shock and awe of big trades being made on deadline day. But such as such as life under the salary cap, I imagine. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess we could just jump right into that because you're right. It it has been crazy. I mean, I guess it all started with the Islanders when they landed uh, Bo Horvat, and then the Rangers went out, got Tarasenko, and probably by the time everybody hears this, the Rangers probably landed Patrick Kane because it's Patrick Kane Day in New York. I, I guess so. <laughs> yeah how does how does that how does that affect your prep actually going into trade deadline day? Oh, it, well, it affects it in a lot of ways. I mean, in, in the sense of just like, um, you know, w- once a domino falls, it tends to affect like several other teams. Um, you know, to give you an example, the Boston Bruins obviously were involved in a number of different things before they made their trade for Dmitry Arloff for the Washington Capitals. I reported today that they were in talks for Jacob Chikrin from the Arizona Coyotes. Those talks didn't really go uh, too much farther when it became apparent the Bruins were hoping the Coyotes could retain salary on Chikrin. They were in, uh, you know, talks with the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, in, in in the hopes of making a trade with them. I mean, they, they were they were in a number of different places, and then they go and they make the uh, the trade for Orlov, and so now all of a sudden, you know, the Blue Jackets are looking to trade Vladislav Garikov someplace else, and. The chicken thing is spinning off in a number of different directions. So even though these moves happen with a lot of daylight before March 3rd, um, there are so many other dominoes that, that topple over in different directions when they are made. That's a great point. Uh, and actually, I, I did want to ask you about Chikrin and, and Gavrikov. Like, what, what's the latest you've heard on them? Because you're right. I was going to mention that I, I kept hearing Boston for both of them. That's where they were linked. And then the Orlov deal. I mean, unless the Bruins can find a way to make that work under cap space, seems like that's out. So where do you see those two guys going? Because I cannot imagine, uh, especially Chikrin, sticking around after this, after the deadline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Columbus really thought they had to deal with, with Boston. And then, um, you know, the Capitals sort of put it out there that all of a sudden they decided they were going to raise the white flag on their season, make a player like Orloff available. And I mean, Orloff's a better player than Garakoff, so it's, I'm not really surprised that, that, that it went that way. Um, the Edmonton Oilers are, are very much in play as we uh, speak for this interview. Um, they're going to make a trade for some defenseman. It's just a matter of if it's going to be Chikrin or, or it's going to be Matias Ekholm or it's going to be uh, Gabrikov. It's, it's going to be somebody that they're going to bring on, and, and they're clearing salary cap space in order to do that. Then beyond that, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, um, we have a, a big trade board up on ESPN on Wednesday that uh, spells out who's available or who could be moved. And, I mean, it is still a staggering number of players um, that could potentially move either because they're headed to free agency, their teams are out of the mix, there are teams that are just looking to, you know, freshen up their rosters. Like, there's a billion other reasons why uh, guys might be on the move, and it's just a matter of whether or not you can make it work under the salary cap. So. A lot of competition, but um, but the Oilers, I think, right now have to be the most logical place for a defensive upgrade before the deadline. Yeah, and they actually were involved in a trade that happened before you and I got on the phone. Uh, They cleared up $3 million in cap space. Uh, Yes, uh, Polyevi going to Carolina, which I actually do. I like that deal for the Hurricanes, and I like it for Edmonton clearing the cap space. He seems like a guy that's needed a new location for a while now, and 
uh, the Hurricanes, uh, I see them kind of penciling him in maybe bottom six somewhere, but but a big body for the playoffs. You know, it's it's a tough one to grade. I actually just got done with that grade before we hopped on the phone, and, and it's a tough grade because in the short term, from a financial standpoint, it's a, it's a, it's a good move for Edmonton in the theory that they're going to use that cap space to then acquire uh, a defenseman that will certainly help their lineup more than, than Pugliarvi was. But from a long-term grade perspective, you've you got to come down to them a little bit hard because they really ruined this guy's development, right? Like they, 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 they played him too early. They wrecked his confidence. You know, there was never a situation in which they were able to fix his game. And I think the fear for a lot of Oilers fans for a long time was always going to be he's going to end up on a team with a really smart front office that's going to buy low on him, and then all of a sudden, you know, a couple of years from now, he's going to blossom. And, you know, Carolina's got the reputation of being one of the smartest front offices in hockey. And so the idea that, like, they are the ones that get him and they're the ones that could maybe put him with Sebastian Ajo, who he played with in World Juniors, mm-hmm. and put him in a, a system and a structure where his, his game might be able to improve, that's like, that's like the nightmare scenario for, the, for Edmonton. Like, they did all the things that they could to depress this guy's value. They sell, they sell him for pennies on the dollar, and then he ends up being the player that they drafted him to become, and that could be in Carolina. I mean, we've seen it happen before, right? I didn't. Yep. I believe your one of your latest articles about winning at the deadline, the ten moves not to move. Like, oh, don't don't worry, like the Tage Thompsons of the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those types of guys. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. Yeah, you always be careful of the players that you're giving up because it could come back to haunt you. But, yeah. Um, but in this case, I mean, if again, if he's he's never gonna. Sometimes you have to take a step back and, and ask yourself, is this player ever going to be the player he could become playing in this in this market? And, and the answer for Paul Arby and Edmonton is absolutely not. I mean, I always felt the same way about Tyler Sagan with the Boston Bruins. Like, mm-hmm. there was a lot of regret when Sagan became Sagan with the Dallas Stars after that trade. But, I mean, I just don't know if he ever becomes that guy in Boston. Sometimes it's just not going to happen, and you got to make the move and make the best of it and move on. True. Uh, stick it in the Metro here for a moment. Uh, I mentioned it at the start, the Rangers, the Patrick Kane thing. What, what have you heard on that? I mean, the day's the day where we can all stop pretending a lot of us that we understand the cap. Uh, the <laughs> Rangers have the cap as of today. Is this something that's going to linger or, or should we expect him in Philly tomorrow night? Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know when he'll make his debut, but I mean, the trade's going to happen. I mean, the Rangers have been getting their, their ducks in order from a cap perspective all week. It's the only place that he, that clearly Kane wants to play. And, you know, one of the interesting twists to this deadline was the fact that they made the Vladimir Tarasenko move, like you said, um, with the expectation that they weren't going to trade for Patrick Kane. I mean, they felt that the price for Tarasenko was lower than that for Kane. They were, they were concerned about Kane's health, uh, his lingering hip injury and what that meant for his status this season. Um, and, and, you know, what's changed is that Kane basically said, I just want to play for the Rangers. And so the price for Kane precipitously dropped when there was absolutely no market for him beyond the Rangers. Um, he popped off for seven goals in four games, which at least maybe gave the Rangers a little bit of, of uh, relief insofar as concerns about his injury. But the biggest thing that happened is that James Dolan, the Rangers owner, basically said, look, I want Patrick Kane on this team. And so they make the, the Tarasenko move, assuming that they're not going to make a move for Kane. And then ownership, from what I understand, said, he wants to be here. I want him here. Let's get him here. And the Rangers had to kind of, you know, find a way to get Patrick Kane on their roster. So 
Will he help? Of course. I mean, he's a star player. I think he's going to be put in, in positions to really thrive. If he's healthy enough to contribute defensively like they need him to, then, then that makes it even better. Um, and, and, and the bottom line is that they're going to get him for, for probably nothing. Uh, I think Chicago's media is already prepping their fans for what the return on this is going to be, and it's not going to be anything spectacular. Yeah, it doesn't look like we're looking at uh, Tanner Juneau type of uh, return here on this type no. of deal, which that, that's another thing I, I really wanted to ask you about. Uh, what was your reaction to that deal with the Lightning? Because when you mentioned the Rangers, they're going to get Patrick Kane on what appears to be pennies, and they landed Tarasenko for what, you know, pretty solid deal on paper, really just a first rounder. Uh, you know, the Rangers are going to end up landing two superstars and the Lightning handed away Cal Foot and five draft picks. Yeah, they did. You know, it's. I don't think I've come across a trade where there's a bigger divide between public perception and and maybe even media criticism and people inside the league and their perception of the trade. Like, I was talking to a few executives in the last couple days about about a great number of things, and and Tanner Janot's name came up. And and they all said the same thing, which is that they respected what Tampa did. Like, they respected – uh, Julianne Brisebois, their GM, basically taking all these picks and taking of a prospect and, and saying, I'm going to go get the guy that I think we need. And, um, and I know what our window is. We've been to the cup final three consecutive seasons. I know we have to play Toronto in the first round, and I know we probably have to play Boston after that. And this is a player who's going to be able to help our group immeasurably in those series. He's 25. He makes nothing. He's a restricted free agent, so they're going to keep him around for a bit longer. And it's a lot to give up for a player like that. But again, like the people inside the league love the deal because it's an aggressive move to win now while you still have all your best players in their prime. And I think there's also a certain benefit of the doubt that the Lightning have earned because they've done this so many times. I mean, they, they, they won two cups on the strength of a checking line that they assembled at the trade deadline with Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman. Um, the Brandon Hagel trade last year where everybody was like, my God, that's a lot to give up for Brandon Hagel, who was basically done, did one good year in Chicago. Well, now he's like a real primary player for them. He looks great. He's going to be there for a long time. And I think that their bet on, on Janot is that last season's goal output at offensive season is what this guy actually is versus this season. And they decided to ante up for him. So they, they've earned a lot of, of kind of uh, benefit of the doubt by having done this before. But again, like the public is astonished that they traded this much for him. The people inside the NHL, not so much. Okay. All right. That's, yeah, because the minute I saw that, uh, me, me and my buddy that couldn't make the uh, interview that I do this show, uh, the podcast with, we were just like, what What just happened? Like, what is, <laughs> that is, that seems like such an overpay for, for that type of player. But yeah, I guess, you know, that, this is why we have you on the show. You have the inside, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I try again. The, the key to the, doing this gig is that I, I have my opinion. I have my hot takery. Um, but I also I always want to come from a point of, of informed opinion. Like I, I, I feel like the more people that you talk to and, and the more opinions that you get, the better your own takes going to be. And it's not I don't want to ever parrot what I hear, right? But I, but I also don't want to go into an analysis of something without at least checking in with a few people to really understand maybe the the inner workings or the machinery of a trade that you know publicly you're not going to be able to glean just by seeing the transaction on the wire. And good God, this is why I've been reading your stuff since uh, Daddy with a puck. 
I don't know if I'm allowed to say it's injury ESPN now. Uh, let's move over to the West Coast because we've, we've I've, I've asked you a lot about the East because it really seems like the East is the only one making moves. Uh, I mean, yeah. I guess when you look at the West, you know, now that Nashville's sellers, what that just leaves uh, Calgary sitting on the outside. So you've got one team competing for that final wild card spot. But what have you heard on 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 the Western front? I guess because we've only seen two moves, I believe, with the Golden Knight, Barbashev, and Nino Niederreiter to the Jets. Well, there you go. All quiet on the Western front. Up for a best picture, in fact, and also oh, what the name uh, that we it would apply to the Western Conference at this point. <laughs> I think the, the expectation is that the Dallas Stars are going to do something. Um, they've got a lot invested into this season, uh, and, and, and rightfully so. I think when they're on their game, which they haven't really been for the last couple of weeks, which is concerning, um, that they're going to they're gonna be able to really make a push for the Cup. They obviously do the, uh, the, the down-off trade. With Montreal, they get a good player there that Pete DeBoer knows a little bit from his days in Vegas. He'll help. He already helped uh, in his first game with Dallas. But the expectation, I think, is that they might try to do a bit more um, and and gain some separation between themselves and and others in the West. Colorado's the one that's an interesting uh, conundrum uh, because they still have a huge hole in their lineup, uh, which is that second-line center spot that we all assumed they were going to address before making another push for back-to-back cups. And they haven't quite done it yet. So are they going to do it? Do they trust what they have on the roster to fill in that spot? Do they need to find their next Nazem Kadri type? I don't know. And it's a real, it's a real conundrum with that team right now as they start to get people back from, from injured reserve. They're obviously rocketing up the standings. They obviously are a team that, given the state of the West, could potentially play for the Cup again. So how, how aggressive are they going to be at the trade deadline? Before I let you go, I do got uh, a couple things here, Greg. Uh, I got to ask you, because I know you're a big Devils fan, so you're allowed to put on the the Devils hat here. (laughs) Timo Meyer, how much did this move the needle? What does this mean, Uh, especially with what appears to be a first-round battle between the Devils and the Rangers? It was an essential trade for that that team. I mean, they they have a lot of things going for them right now, uh, both now and in the future, but one of the things that they lacked was size, and reliable veteran goal scoring on the wing. And so they, they were, they wish they could have landed Matthew Kachuk last summer. It was pretty clear that he wasn't going to come to New Jersey. <laughs> I mean, look where he ended up, <laughs> the beaches, the golf, the, the South Florida of it all. Uh, Nork doesn't have that. Uh, so they had to find it someplace else. And, you know, they've got a deep pool of prospects and they managed to get Timo Meyer for this season and, and, you know, next season based on his restricted free agent status for B-level prospects. They didn't have to give up anything off their roster of, 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 of consequence like Dawson Mercer. They didn't have to give up Luke Hughes or Simone Nemish, their two best defensive prospects, or Alexander Holtz, a great prospect in the wing. They, they were able to make this trade with B-level guys and then obviously also give up, give up some draft picks. Um, the concern for me is the fact they don't have them on an expansion quite yet. Uh, maybe we look back on that package and say it was a lot to give up for a player that was only there for a year or two. Um, but I'm, uh, the Devils are confident they're going to be able to convince him to stay. And if he does, I mean, my God, I mean, you, you look at Hughes and, and Heischer and now Meyer, um, even if, if they can't figure out something long-term with Jesper Bratt, they now have a player that's arguably just as good or better than him um, in his prime. So it's, it's a great move all around for the Devils, not only for this season, but for their window to win, which extends well beyond this season. Yeah, as, as, as a New York Ranger fan, I was – Happy for, you know, putting the, all right, let's do this as a media guy. What a great move for that team. As a fan, I'm very angry you all landed him. 
<laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be an absolute war in that first round series, and, and and I think that move is a direct commentary on having to go through. The, I mean, the Rangers are a gritty team; they can mm-hmm. be a very physical team. They're, they're they they can play that style of hockey. And if there's one question about the Devils, it's what do they look like in the playoffs? They they fly like nobody else in this league in the regular season. They're an amazing offensive team. They have a very distinct style. When things get a little bit tighter, when you when you have to start wearing guys like a coat in the offensive zone because they're not calling obstruction anymore, mm-hmm. like what does this team look like? And and a guy like Timo Meyer, I think, speaks directly to the type of player that they needed to acquire that can that can play a, a different style when necessary in the playoffs. He's done it before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what are you keeping an eye on in the final hours? Like, is there something that you, that that you you're just like I have that gut feeling I'm watching this like I'm watching where Max Domi goes uh or you know is there something that we don't know yet that you know you're hearing rumblings of that you're keeping an eye on um I'm interested to see who who ends up with James Van Riemsdyk he's a he's a player I like I think he is the kind of player that you could add to a contending team and he does some things especially close to the net that you might not have somebody on the roster that can do that. I, I think he'd be a quality addition for somebody. And then the, the thing I'm really looking at is, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a tier on my ranking called check back this summer. And it's got guys like Thatcher Demko and John Gibson, Eric Carlson, JT Miller, Colton Pareko. Is there a chance that we see one of those guys move early? You know, do, does somebody get super aggressive and put together a package uh, to acquire one of these big name veteran players with term that otherwise would probably move at the draft. I'm, I'm curious to see if that happens. Before I let you go, I got to ask from one Mets fan to another to step away from hockey <laughs> for a minute and the trade deadline and get your brain out of the, the craziness that's been going on. How are you feeling about the Mets this year? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, the beginning of March. So I'm <laughs> feeling great as per usual, like every year. Yeah. The beginning yeah. of March is the best time to be a, a Mets fan. And uh, the end of August is the best time to be a Jets fan. <laughs> um, but I mean, like, I, 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 listen, I'm optimistic. I think it's going to be a good team, but I'm already like chuckling to see our, our friends in Texas discover what life is with Jacob DeGrom, you know, like, Same. The, the, I mean, without question, one of the best pitchers I've ever seen when he's, when he's on the mound, but getting him on the mound and keeping him on the mound is the real issue. And it's, it was amusing to see them already struggling with that notion. <laughs> yeah, that I, I never wish, I'll never wish it on any player, but the the first day that it was like, he's being pushed back and everybody went, what, what? It was like, well, this is what we've been dealing with for like the last decade, guys. So welcome to the party. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, that's what you wanted. Well, I'm okay right now. I'll take, I'll take Scherzer. I'll take Verlander. We're good. Yep. <laughs> uh, Greg, thank you so much for uh, taking some time again today to uh, chat with us. Absolutely. My pleasure. Anytime. Uh, before I let you go, do you want to hit people with the plugs? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Follow my stuff on ESPN.com. Um, you know, we'll have trade deadline stuff on the air and all over the place on March 3rd from Bristol. And uh, if you want to f- listen to me talk things that aren't hockey, uh, <laughs> the Puck Soup Patreon is where I do a number of different podcasts um, that are more broad and comedic including uh, Pod, which is our food podcast, which will be laser-focused on the next season of Top Chef beginning in March. And as a $5 Patreon member, I endorse all of that. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem, man. Thanks again, Greg. Anytime. All right, and uh, we're back. So, uh, yeah. I don't even care. ESPN's not even that big a deal yeah, anymore. It's, it's, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> My bad. Um, all right. So, 
Are there any trades that we didn't get to talk about that that you wanted to talk about that uh, happened? Uh, Barbashev, any of that? Uh, don't have a ton to say for it. Uh, Barbashev, I think it was kind of interesting that Colorado goes out and gets Jack Johnson again. Uh, help them win a cup. Uh, but, you know, for us, for his entire team being bad, Jack Johnson's had a decent year. And I'm sure the Avalanche are mostly just going with, uh, you know, going with somebody that they're familiar and with and comfortable enough with. Uh, what did you think of Vitaly Kraftsoff headed to the Canucks? I thought that it was somebody that needed to change the scenery. He was never going to. All right. I do have some like serious thoughts on it in the sense of there is discussion constantly of did the Rangers mess this up, this and that. I think it's a mutual thing, but I actually put a lot of the blame on him because he needed to change the scenery after he refused to go to the AHL last year and play top six minutes when they, when the organization asked him to do that, to grow, to learn the North American game. He went back to Russia and demanded a trade last year because of that. Came back this year and mind you, the Rangers asked him that at the start of the year because he didn't, he wasn't going to make the team. He felt he deserved to make the team. So. And this wasn't like a Nino Niederreiter situation where he's being brought up. He's being sent down. He's in, he's out of the lineup. No, it, they, everyone very much knew what the score was going in. Absolutely. This. Like you're not going to make the team. You didn't, you, you didn't crack the team. It's best to go to the AHL, take the time, learn the game, learn our system as well. And at some point this year, there's going to be an injury and you're going to get the call up, but you'll have like 20 AHL games under your belt do that. And he went, no, went back to Russia, trade me. They went, we have your rights. We're not trading you. That's where this season came in, where he did make the team, but he never really cracked anything. He had flashes of good games and then would be invisible. So he ended up being a healthy scratch consistently due to that. I mean, this is a team that's in a playoff race. You're not, you know, like, People are getting mad at Gerard, at Gerard Gallant not playing him, but Gallant was right when he said it's really not his job like to just play him because he's a rookie to give him a chance. Like They're playing to win games. They're playing for points, not to grow rookie right now. That's not where it is, and he's not going to the AHL. And if they try to put him through waivers, somebody would claim him because there was a want for him. But there's, but I don't know. There's just a lot of baggage with him, and it's really, I think, a lot of his doing. So, I I wish him luck in it, Vancouver, but you know, it is what it is. Like he, he, it was, it was a cap dump dump for Patrick Kane of a player that was never going to really get the opportunity he felt he deserved. And for for what Jim Rutherford talked about wanting to get this year when it came Perfect to, player. you know, yeah. yeah, when it came to, you know, highly sought after prospects that maybe needed a change of scenery, uh, he, he was almost kind of saying, read between the lines, I need somebody like Kratzoff. So hopefully that works out for him. I was just curious where your thoughts were as a Rangers fan. 
Uh, given the Washington Capitals focus for our area, I feel like we got to say something about the Dmitry Orlov trade as well. Yeah, that, that trade was, well, that trade was interesting because like Wyshynski mentions, uh, that, that trade really like there were, there were certain people that felt that they had a trade in place with the Boston Bruins until they found out that Orloff was uh, the person that they were getting. So that trade really shook a lot of things up. I think that trade also was the indicate was like a full indication to me that the capitals were open for business, that they were yeah. that uh, sorry, Alex Ovechkin. I know they told you that they would never rebuild with you there, but there's a, bit of a uh or or maybe this is more of what nashville is doing this is more of a retooling but they're acknowledging and they're that this season is is not they're not trying to make the playoffs to get bounced by boston yeah and 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 that's honestly for the long-term health of the franchise that's probably the move to make uh, but when you see them flip that uh, first rounder to go out and acquire someone like Rasmus Sandin, uh, Sandin, excuse me, uh, then it's like, oh, so we're not loading up for the draft. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, what else comes of them and where else they're uh, trying to take this. Yeah, I, I'm curious because they have they have guys that uh, I, I feel will be moved if they haven't already by the time you listen to this. People like Lars Eller, you know, like a three million cap hit. That that's doable doable for a team that's looking for somebody that can help out their bottom six. A veteran with experience won the cup. Most and and for Lars Eller, don't forget most games played by a Danish uh forward. So so that's yeah, something. That's that that's always that listen, those things matter. When it comes playoff time, <laughs> honestly, those weird stats because it's like it's the most games played by a Danish guy, and he got the game-winning goal in Game Seven of the Eastern Conference. That's how it. That's how it always yeah, happens. You know, he. It, it, it's you know, we remember these things because of that. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious though to see where the Capitals do fully go, but I expect anybody that has. Uh, a red next to their name for next year on cap friendly is gone. Kind of like Chicago did last oh, year. Oh, 100%. Uh, Cause listen they're for the most part, they're not going to be able to resign a lot of them anyway. Yeah. Um, they're with, with the restricted they, free agents that they have and how up against the cap wall they already are. It's they, they did make some moves earlier this year to hang on to Sonny Milano and Dylan Strome and, you know, some moves around that area. Uh, but yeah, the the blue line especially is what's concerning. I, I wouldn't be that surprised to see some of these other guys uh, either get flipped for more picks or uh, just see them try to make a big splash in free agency to try to keep everything going so that uh, Ovechkin can hit the record. Yeah, it's remember, it's all about getting Ovi to that record. As it should be for them at this point. Um, All right, let's let's talk about this. Um, Some kind of cool news. Uh, We learn what Barry Trotz is going to be doing. He's coming back to the NHL and he's going to become the second general manager 
in the history of the Nashville Predators. Yeah, it was announced this week that David Poley is going to be retiring slash staying on as a consultant. Uh, now, whether or not he's there, you know, actually calling him up from time to time or and uh, getting his opinion on things or, hey, you go ahead and go off to the beach, keep collecting this paycheck and we'll call you if we need you sort of thing. Uh, but it's, you know, David Poley not having won anything has been around for a really, really long time. And uh, it's neat that uh, Barry Trotz is going to be able to go back to Nashville in that kind of role because he spent a decent amount of time in Nashville as well in his career. Did he? Yeah, he was the coach there for – he was their first coach. Oh, God. That's and uh, he had been hanging around there for forever and a day. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Did did you think I meant the his playing career? Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, dude, you bring up a great point with Poli. Uh, I truly forgot until this was announced that I was like, holy cow, he had to have been the longest reigning general manager in any sport. Actually, maybe not. Yeah, he, maybe not. It might be that, uh, it might be Brian Cashman, but like he's up there with a Brian Cashman. Yeah, he, he was. Like th- almost uh, general years. manager since yeah general manager since 1997 25 years in that position uh, and and got his first front office position with one of the teams that was mentioned during the little quiz you got after christmas ah. would you like to take a guess who it was um hartford atlanta flames ah. he was an assistant general manager oh, very nice very, yeah. very nice. You know, it, with a survey that went out about the podcast, they said that uh, they really like when John reads the internet. So that's what we're trying to incorporate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like I like this move for Nashville. I, I you know, we'll see. I, I does Barry trot success behind the bench and his evaluation as a coach of players, is that going to lead to success in the front office? Uh, you know, we've seen former players take the leap. Iserman, uh, I know it's going to be unpopular for me to say it, but, but Drury, I think has done a pretty fairly good job as a general manager. You know? Yeah. And I feel like it's not nearly as much of a jump from being the coach to the GM as it is from being a player to a front office personnel. Because, uh, cause, you know, you get, you're involved in a lot of meetings with people as the coach and stuff like that. So you probably get a pretty good look at what their, uh, what their job is like. Whereas if you're a player, you probably know a very small percentage of what front office people are actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes again. I like the moves Nashville has been making. I think that they've been really good moves. Uh, Barry Trotz did say that it's not a rebuild. It's a retool. Uh, I think Nashville has really good pieces in place. Uh, and I think that idea of a retool isn't totally crazy. Actually, because again, I think that they do have some good players there. They still got Philip Forsberg there. Uh, they, you know, like they still have some some good building blocks. 
uh, you know, but they might, they're getting up there a little bit in age, but you've got something there that you can build around if you, if you do it wisely. And let's see, there's one, two, three. And 12 picks in this upcoming yeah. draft. Uh, that's certainly not going to hurt. No, no, no. And, and here's the thing, you know, you can, you can use those picks. Uh, wow. Uh, I actually have the uh, Predators home game on right now. Uh, standing ovation for uh, Dave and uh, Barry. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, that's kind of cool, actually, as well. Like right there, seeing that, like there's a there's a love, but it seems like you know it feels like there's a little bit of hope as well. Like Predator fans, I'm telling you, and, and you've been there as well, John. Nashville fans were really passionate. Like I was very, I don't want to say I was surprised because obviously it's been very successful there, but just, I wasn't prepared for how really passionate that fan base was when I was at just a simple predator Sabres game. Now, let me ask you something. Cause I think it makes a really good point about everything that's happened with the predators. Uh, up to this point in their entire history who do you think has scored the most goals in a season oh predators entire history most goals in a season is it a dirty rat no uh i am not seeing him on the list no martin uh it is matt duchene okay Mark Duchesne has 43 goals. Philip Forsberg uh, had a season with 42. And the next highest scoring player is Victor Arvidsson. So despite not having a ton of elite forwards or uh, super exciting talent there, it's really grown there. And you can even see it in the junior leagues where there are significant tournaments that happen with youth players all around all around Nashville to where they're inviting people from Canada to come play against them. So uh, if you're want to look at a legacy for David Poli, uh, I think that would be the number one place to kind of point them to not necessarily on ice success so much as having built and transformed that market in Nashville. Yeah, it is. It is so cool. I, I, I mean, I fully recommend it no matter who you're a fan of see a game in Nashville. It, it's, it's a blast. And I would recommend going when it's not your team so that you can embrace the home atmosphere. Uh, instead of that, Hey, my, I want my team to win. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, so <laughs> when they start singing Tim McGraw, you're not mad. You're kind of like, Hey, I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. You want some exactly. more of it. Exactly. Uh, all right. Moving on. Uh, I lost my notes for a second. Um, and of course, my phone locked on me. You know, I had a very similar experience in Minnesota last week. D- d- did you see a game in Minnesota? I literally sent you pictures of Matt Zuccarello. That is from right. That you did send me pictures. from. Tell- Why did you not remind me that you saw a game in Minnesota? 
I think that's going to have to be a tease for something we talk about next week. Oh, dang. Okay. All right. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm very curious what hockey in Minnesota is like, especially with our buddy Matt Zuccarello. Yeah, I heard he, like, you know, nodded in your general direction yeah. or, you know, made it made a peace sign to you, something like oh that. Oh, my God. I should I, I love telling this story because it is the total Night at the Roxbury story. So this one time, uh, for, for, for you, the listener, this one time, John and I, we went to go see the Hartford Wolfpack play the Norfolk Admirals when the Admirals were AHL and Sean Avery was supposed to be playing with the Wolfpack. He was not playing, but Matt Zuccarello was playing for Hartford and he had already played up on the big club. So I was well aware of Zook and we were sitting behind the bench and I proceeded to start screaming Zook. And at one moment while I was screaming, he turned around, looked at us and nodded. <laughs> Not only nodded. He waved. Yeah, he did as well. It was so yeah, it's my total Emilio story from Roxbury. <laughs> And who do you think that guy was? Emilio Estevez, the mighty duck man himself. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Emilio! Yeah. So, all right, know your audience. I wonder who saw the Night at the Roxbury film that's listening. Uh, all right, there's been a suspension. Uh, well, there's been a couple of suspensions, but the big one that I want to talk about, and not because I'm a Rangers fan, because of the situation and that is Keandre Miller was suspended three games for unsportsmanlike conduct on LA Kings defenseman Drew Doughty. Uh, NHL's Department of Player Safety announced after Miller spat on Doughty in Sunday's game between the two teams, a 5-2 win by the Rangers. I mean, who among us has not wanted to spit it? On Drew <laughs> right? Couldn't couldn't have happened to a better guy on the ice, right? Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but yeah, I I I think Keandre handled it pretty well. Uh, apparently, he personally went and apologized to Drew Doughty for it, and it's I think it's pretty understandable that in the heat of the moment, you get pretty worked up. Maybe you say some things you don't mean or do some things that you regret. So you know. As someone who may or may not have done such a thing in beer league games, not spitting, but plenty of things that don't look good that I regret. Uh, yeah, I get it, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's I, I, he says it was an accident. When you look at it, it's going to depend on however you want to view it. If, however you made your mind up, that's how your mind eye is seeing it. If you think it was intentional, it was intentional. If you think it was wasn't on purpose, it wasn't on purpose. Like. Your your mind's not going to be made up. You already have your decision made on it. Watching the video is never going to. It's, you know, it's it's Seinfeld Spitgate, man. Um, but I don't think there's any way Keandre could have hit Drew Doughty at that angle. <laughs> there had to have been a second spitter. It actually was Barkley Goudreau from the slot. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're referencing super niche specific episodes of Seinfeld and snl movies from the 90s what even are we dude you know what honestly i say it is on brand our freaking intro is the nhl 94 theme um That's so fair. yeah we, we've got a sega genesis game as our theme 
you know, I'm not, it is what it is. Uh, there's actually precedent for this and three game suspension is what was handed out back in 2019. Washington forward Garnett Hathaway got one after he spat on then Anaheim defenseman, uh, Eric, uh, good Branson. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, yeah, there's precedent. It kind of was expected uh, again, accident or no accident. You can't be spitting on somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, it is a bit, but this is actually with the Rangers weird cap maneuvering that they've done for Patrick Kane. This actually is a huge deal right now because Ryan Lindgren is injured. Uh, so they had been running seven defensemen and 11 forward to maneuver the cap. Then running. And now they're going to have another defenseman there that has to count against the cap, even though he can't. Yeah. Play. They had to send Brian Schneider down uh defenseman. He's been recalled. So they're only going to be playing with five defensemen because they're up against the cap and who they have, like they're not going to be, it's, it is such a weird situation right now for the Rangers, but that's what happens when you want to play against the cap. Yeah. It's there for a reason, I guess. Yeah, it, you know, you got to make it a fair playing field. Yeah. It, you know, you would never make that the, you know, entire goal of an organization. And, uh, you know, speaking of unusual goals. Hey. That one was a little forced. It was, but um, you know, let's let's bring it on home, baby. <laughs> yeah, uh, you got a goalie goal to tell us about. Uh, yeah, I'm. I, I I I love that you are going to ask me to tell it because I actually was quite annoyed when I woke up to this bit of news. Uh, and it's only because I really wanted Shesterkin to be the first one to do this. Uh, yeah, but we got ourselves a goalie goal. The Boston Bruins, uh, Omark was able to, uh, drill one from his own zone in a victory. But dude, I, I mean, still as, as mad as I am, it was still pretty cool to see a goalie goal. Oh, it's always cool to see a goalie yeah. goal. I saw Mike Smith do one against the Red Wings, and you can't be mad about no, it. No, no. Goalie goals are the coolest. Uh, it's only the 13th uh, time or the 13th goalie to have one. So, such a rare thing to see. But, yeah, who doesn't love a good goalie goal? I was trying to come up with a funny answer to that, but, man, I've got nothing. <laughs> And and I guess I guess as well, like it's just I, it's it's pretty much just a cap in Linus Olmark season, right? Like he's going to be the Vesna winner. Now he's got a freaking goalie goal. Yeah, I I I, I think it's it's one of those things for him specifically to potentially. It, it's a, the he could be the new Andre Vasilevsky, and that he's a incredibly capable goalie but maybe doesn't get as much credit for it because he's playing behind an incredible team and uh this this is just a great addition to it to you know give him a little bit more recognition yeah 
I I love it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, shame. We're going to Game of Thrones shame you on that. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. But <laughs> yeah, I uh, got to love it. And he did it against, uh, what was it, Vancouver, right? I want to say so. Yeah, that, yeah. that sounds on yeah, brand. Yeah, and it sounds on brand for Vancouver as well. All right. That'll do it this week, I think. Unless you got, do you have anything else that, uh, from the notes that you believe uh, we did not hit? No, I don't think so. Uh, but if we go ahead and stop recording this podcast, I'm sure there'll be a trade that comes through any second. Absolutely. Now. Trade someone away from the Red Wings. Holy Moses. Oh, I guess. Uh, I guess one thing that we actually didn't talk about is that uh, and, and I guess we should have with. Um, uh, crap. Uh, Columbus. Gabrikov. Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, with, uh, oh man, I'm forgetting who it is. Um, Chikrin. No, not Chikrin. Uh, the Nyquist deal. There we go. Uh, he's been injured for a while. Apparently the NHL, uh, I don't know if you saw Wyshynski's article, actually. Apparently the NHL is keeping an eye on those long-term injury trades. Uh, so players like that, that. Apparently the NHL wants to crack down on people doing the Tampa Bay Lightning thing. Oh, now they yeah. want to crack down. Now, they, very now they care. Yeah, now they care. All right. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, ratings down and, you know, has a chance to make, you know, the playoffs that much more interesting to watch. This is when they would step in and intervene. Yeah, this is this is the moment that they decided, oh, yeah, 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 we, we don't. We we're we're gonna keep an eye on it, and if we think some shady business is up, we're gonna investigate it. So pretty much, it's one of those where like, if a player you know like very clearly can come back, like what you know was done a couple years ago in the bubble, uh, and they don't come back, and the NHL is like, yeah, we think that's shady, and investigates, and is like, yeah, we know he could have came back. Uh, they're gonna do something we don't know what but they're gonna do something yeah so there you go it's well we'll see what direction they take it but uh yeah all right all right well uh hit us with the plugs john uh i am on twitter at jt evans the number zero and i am wonderful underscore radio Thank you for listening. See you all next week. Come time, I'm better and I run right out of luck. If you want me to tell you that all is well, I can sure make something up. But you brought me back here just to set my mind at ease. To live again, to laugh out loud, to find myself some.